This is the sixth in our series of conversations with congressional candidates for Tennessee's 5th District running in the GOP primary. Early voting starts July 14th. Election day is August 4th. Today we're talking to Jeannie Batchelor. Enjoy. Sitting here with Jeannie Batchelor, candidate for Tennessee's 5th Congressional District. Jeannie, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Good, good. Good. You had a you had a time getting over here, but glad you made it. Yes, I saw some parts of Nashville that I haven't seen before, which is great. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, well. So you're obviously running for office. So yes. tell us a bit about your your background, where you come from. Your, sure. I, I originally come from California, but mm-hmm. I was smart enough to know that that was a good place to leave in about 1979. Okay. 1980. Mm-hmm. What part? So uh, Northern California, primarily. Around San Francisco Bay Area, oh, okay, Marin County, yeah, where I was from, beautiful area, yeah, very pretty, yeah. I'm I'm kind of afraid to go back there now because I'm afraid I'd be too broken hearted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but I left there quite a few years ago and and uh, came to the southeast and lived all around the southeast actually in early years and finally found my way to Lebanon, Tennessee, just outside of Nashville here, mm-hmm. and um, that was in 2005. Mm-hmm. So I'm um, actually my background career wise is um, I'm a small business woman slash entrepreneur. Okay. So I've owned, built, and uh, started up uh, four different businesses of my own, and then I worked in other small businesses that actually grew to mm-hmm. little bit larger businesses before I retired. The last one that I was with was a global event planning company. Oh, cool. So and that was headquartered here, and that's how I got to the Nashville area. What uh what drew you to uh, run for office? Oh, gosh. Well, <laughs> after I retired, to be honest with you, what drew me to run for office is my love for this country, mm-hmm. my love for this state, and uh, and the fact that I just could not stand by and watch what was happening both in the Congress and in the general um, in the general citizenship. I just, I'm just so find it so upsetting that the ideas that are being put forth now and as acceptable and the policies that are being put forth by our administration uh, just do not support the American way of life. And, and it's very concerning to me. And as a citizen, I feel like I've been very fortunate and I've lived the American dream. So it's my responsibility to stand up for America. Mm hmm. Yeah, you did get to witness live through America in a, you know, maybe one of the better periods. Yeah. Yeah. And we have to fight to keep it that way. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm here. Well, okay. So you're, you know, you're running for Congress. I what am. are what are kind of some of the, the animating issues for you? Well, um, for me, I'm I'm really boots on the ground talking to people, going to every event that I possibly can. Every mm-hmm. day I have something different, sometimes two things. And um, I'm trying to talk to people and, and get a feel for what their biggest concerns are. And I share those concerns because my values are really consistent with the Republican Party's platform. Right. Um, I'm, you know, just, I'd say just off center, but conservative for sure. Mm-hmm. So when I talk to people, the concerns seem to be right now, uh, inflation, of course, Right. Um, that concerns everybody. That's an American problem. Of course. And I see most of our problems right now as American, not, uh, not political one way or the other. Right. However, they are dealt with in a very political manner. So I, 
I have concerns about that too, as well. So uh, inflation, um, the abortion issue has been a hot topic this last week, of course. Of course. And uh, in fact, my town hall in Hohenwald last Saturday was picketed um, by some people that were uh, pro-choice and uh, fortunately was able to engage with one of the organizers of that, um, of that petitioning uh, online after after okay. the fact. So we had a nice long conversation back and forth about uh, her views, their views, my views, and how we might work together. Because my approach to all of these problems is that they are solvable. Right. As a small businesswoman, uh, I had to solve problems. I had to build teams. I had to balance budgets. I had to do all the things that are really necessary and missing, I might add, in in the Congress right now. Of course. So um, I had a great time with her interacting about her concerns. And the bottom line for me with her was, um, can you imagine what it would be like um, to be a young woman pregnant and unwanted with an unwanted pregnancy and have options that didn't involve killing a baby? Mm -hmm. And that's kind of my position in the sense that I would like to solve problems and make make services available to young women so that the choice for them would be a positive choice rather than um, rather than having to have an abortion to risk that danger and also to to risk the lifelong emotional turmoil that a lot of women that I've spoken to who have had abortions in, endure for their for their whole lives. So I'd like to see I'd like to see a positive resolution that everybody wins with. Yeah. So so yeah. a lot of your uh it, the issues that kind of animate you are based on what you glean from other people. So there's obviously inflation. Yes, there's obviously inflation. There's obvi- obviously um, a- abortion. One that really resonates with me and also resonates out in the community is um, is the immigration slash southern border situation. Right. Um, that's a very hot topic for me because I believe that the president is not doing his job in protecting us and in enforcing our laws. Right. We have immigration laws that either need to be enforced or changed. And so, therefore, if he's not willing to for his ideology, then the Congress absolutely should step in and protect our border with the National Guard. Sure. And they have the permission to do that um, based on the first article of the uh, Constitution. Right. So they should be taking steps to, to implement that immediately. Mm-hmm. So do you, do you hear that from constituents concern about the southern border? Very much so. And as much uh, with regard to the fentanyl that's coming into our country yeah, yeah. and as, um, in certain areas of this this district right here, people feel like they're on the border because the fentanyl has come into their community. Yeah. And, and it's a dire situation. Right. And it's got to be stopped. It's not something that is, is a, like I said, it's not a... a political issue it shouldn't it's, be it's really shocking how kind of lax the approach to that stuff has been yeah it, it really is and and then let's not even talk about the fact that there are also terrorists coming across the border because we don't have it controlled right. we could put a stop to that and and the migrants I, my heart goes out to them i mean i i cannot believe that we are allowing a situation where we encourage people to come on the one hand Say don't, but yes, we're going to do all these things for you. We're going to give you phones, and you can, right. and we're going to not stop you at the border. So go ahead and do that. And then you know they've spent all this money to get here, come all these miles to get here, and then end up in the back of a of a truck, 
dying yeah. of suffocation. I mean, right. I, I, it just, it is. It's, shocking. Al- it's almost like the ambivalence uh, has created a more dangerous situation than drawing a hard line one way or the other. I mean, you know, it. it Perhaps, but I honestly see it more than ambivalent. I I really go beyond because the ambivalence would require then possibly seeing the current situation, making some changes, and there's no changes coming that I can see. And there's no interest in talking about any changes that would stop the flow of the people, the flow of the drugs, and the flow of the terrorists and the gang members. So given that, I have to think there's some design behind it. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to not see it that way at mm-hmm. this point. Yeah. Um, okay, well, any other any other things you hear from people you talk to that they're concerned about? We touched on uh, inflation, abortion, and the border. Right. So kind of election seem- integrity. Election integrity is, a is big another one. big one. I'll ask you a question about that later. So let's Okay, not, let's so not- we'll save that one. Yeah, yeah but that's that's an issue. Yeah, definitely, definitely an issue. An issue. Mm-hmm. We we just published a piece, uh, a review of uh, of Dinesh D'Souza's Two Thousand Mules," um, which got I've a seen pretty, it. pretty big response. Honestly, the yes. biggest response we've ever gotten from anything we've written. Uh, Interesting. So, all right. Well, I have I've to got, take a look at that. Yeah, yeah. I'll send yeah. it to you after. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to. Um, so I've got five questions. Okay, we've been asking all the candidates, so I'm going to start going through theirs. So, first question: What is the greatest threat to Tennessee's ability to govern itself? Kind of a tenth amendment question. What? Yes, it definitely is. Well, I think one threat, as as has been demonstrated over the last fifty years, is decisions by the Supreme Court that affected our ability to govern ourselves and on right. our people and our citizens. And um, you know, it's been said for years that uh, that the best government is the government closest to. The people, of course, and so that's the design of the Constitution, as I see it, with you know, inclusive of the the amendments and the Bill of Rights. So, um, I, I look very strongly at that when I'm considering what my position is or or what I advocate for, because um, I just I just have to do that because I think that's what protects the United States of America and and sets it apart. Yeah. Is that we have that ability, we have that power, we have that ability to refer back to that. And it's a guide. It's a guidepost for sure. Of course. And and the other thing that I think is a threat to states' rights and states' ability to govern themselves are executive orders. Because, you know, they come from one side or the other, but they do interfere with states' rights to govern themselves they got they got they set the agenda for for the legislature as opposed to the states kind of promoting whatever the state's agenda is right exactly yeah so all of those those the three bodies of 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 our government the executive the judiciary and the legislative have got to continue to look at the constitution right before they go off and write all these laws because that's not the intention yeah. and that's not the way this country thrives of course the government should take care of us in terms of protecting us. Yeah. I think you'd, it's pretty hard to argue against the fact that decisions made on a more granular level are going to be more representative of the people than just broad stroke regulations coming from. Yeah, because DC. one size doesn't fit all. Right. Yeah, yeah, of course. Naturally. That's why we like that's how we like it here in Tennessee. All the candidates exactly. are on the same page on the states' rights thing, which is yeah. nice to see. Yeah. I, I mean that's true. It seems yeah. that the Republican Party is increasingly emerging as the states' rights party, no matter how people want to misrepresent it. Um, 
So, okay, next question. What is the most immediate step you can take as a congresswoman to ease inflation concerns? Well, I would have to say advocate. As far as what I personally could take, I think it, I, I think it takes a, a cooperative effort to really make the steps. But what I would certainly advocate for uh, is the, the umbrella of returning us to energy independence. Right. Um, because principally speaking, I think it's all well and good, and I'm supportive of, of searching out and researching cleaner energy and uh, more environmentally friendly ways of operating and, and producing the energy for our, for our country. But at the same time, I do not support um, a war on fossil fuel before we get to the point where we're ready to transition right. to something that can replace it and replace it sensibly. Course. There's a question about electrical cars and, and all of the uh, the fact that they depend on fuel as well. They depend on gasoline to um, charge the batteries and things of that nature. So right. I, I think we're not there yet. And that was really putting the cart before the horse to cut off the Keystone pipeline, yeah. to stop pumping oil from the, from the on the Alaskan pipeline. That's all negative. To, to provide incentives to our refineries to get them to do other things other than refine oil, it's basically brought us to our knees in terms of energy. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think, quite frankly, we have to do that. We also have to stop printing money at will. And we have to really look at where we can cut costs. Mm -hmm. We have to tighten our belts. We have to look at government organizations, bureaus, departments that are just fat and wasteful, mm -hmm. and they're not producing positive results for the, for the citizens of the United States. Rolling back regulations on, on oil and gas drilling would probably be a good step. In that Absolutely. Direction. Absolutely. Well, and reducing the royalties. Right. Also that are, I mean, they actually increased the royalties. Yeah. Yeah. No, they put, they threw out all these leases, but they then also made it extremely difficult to operate with them. Yeah. So um, I think that a lot of incentives need to be provided to the oil drilling industry, most especially a assurance that in, you know, two months, as soon as this crisis is over, they're not going to get the rug pulled out from right. underneath them again. Yeah, because, you know, because they invest a lot of money going forward before they actually can reap the benefits of that. There was, uh, you know, Joe Biden tweeted out whoever runs his Twitter account tweeted out something about uh, how oil and gas companies need to stop jacking up prices to. Yeah. And Jeff Bezos retweeted it. Uh, yes, was, I saw that and said something about how he clearly either doesn't understand the basic. I know principles of supply and demand, or that was pretty embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah, which I, I, you know, I find it's just funny that they've they've pushed off the the blame to an industry that they've spent the past thirty years demonizing. And uh, is it yeah. any wonder that that investment has sunk in those areas? And that yeah, cautious? I. But the thing is, it's all solvable. Those right. are all things that it is. can be changed, and they are choosing not to. True. True. Choosing to uh, beg OPEC when o OPEC claims that they can't do anymore. Choosing to look every place else except right here at home, right where we can get it. We can supply others with it. We can we can cut off anything that goes to Russia mm -hmm. and stop funding what they're doing in the Ukraine and right. what they intend to do wherever else they intend to do it. We're supporting that in in a sense, in, yeah. As far as I'm concerned, and we didn't need to be doing that. No. no, that was purely a political or a policy. I'll say it that way: a policy decision. Yeah, and Germany would be a good example of someone who's just way down that road. They're 
energy prices, I think over the past year are up six times. Uh, I mean, they're just impoverishing the people at yeah. this point with their energy policy choices. Because, right. I mean, it's something that everyone pays for, right? So <laughs> you have to pay for it. Absolutely. Um, okay, next question. Over the next year, how should the U.S. approach Russia, Ukraine? Well, first I have to backpedal just a little bit to say that I feel like we're behind the eight ball. In mm-hmm. the sense that we did not make moves timely right. to support them in being prepared to take care of themselves. We sat around and watched Russia establish their lines of defenses and move all their troops in right. and did nothing about it. We just sat and watched it happen. Of course. And so that was a that was a bad move. And I hope we learned that lesson. And I don't know that we will, mm-hmm. but I hope we've learned that lesson that we um, take that information and make sure that Taiwan is prepared in advance right? before they are invaded or whatever you want to call it. Sure. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, this is a, a new thing for me because I've never been in politics ever before. Right. And so saying the right thing or saying that, you know, uh, parsing my words is unusual for me. Sure. Well, <laughs> I'm you know, used, kind of a straight shooter and say what's on my mind. Um, but I'm, I'm learning a lot being involved in politics, but um, it's not something that I ever uh, st- was striving for. Yeah. And still I'm not, I'm still not, I'm not looking for a political career. Sure. I'm, I'm looking to get some things done and to solve some problems and to work with some people that the rest of the United States of America seems to be, sending yeah to congress well i mean in your you know henry kissinger think what you want of the man uh did basically predict that if the u.s or if nato expanded too far to the east it would inflame russia i mean he'd been warning about this since the 60s -hmm. so it's not like anyone should be surprised that russia is is lashing out in this way right and unfortunately i think some of the moves that were made um prior to that just for example, our withdrawal from Afghanistan emboldened him. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it, it really, it really, that plus us cutting off ourselves as uh, being energy independent, all was sort of an open invitation for him to keep marching. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Next question. What is the biggest threat to parents' ability to manage their children's own education? The Board of Education, the Department of Education, United States Department of Education. That's what I see. And uh, I wouldn't have said that. I wouldn't have known that in advance. But what I've learned about how they have, um, how they have funneled money down with strings attached to it right. to implement um, CRT and SEL and completely outrageously inappropriate um, educational material for small children. Yeah. All of that is, is just... Oh, I can't even. I can't even put a word on it. The, it just uh, makes me so angry. That uh, the controversy about the book Mouse, the school in McMinn County, uh, choosing not. So it was. It was portrayed as book banning, book burning, right? book which, burning, book banning, book, book yeah. banning. Which you can order it off Amazon Prime and get it direct. You know, shipped yeah. to your doorstep in two days. Yeah. No. So they decided that they didn't want to keep it on the curriculum, which is fine. That's a local decision. And if they don't find it appropriate for their district or their beliefs or whatever, yeah. they're they're justified in 
thinking that Board That's of Education right. would kind of interferes with that local control. Well, and I think um, I'm really pleased to see so many parents, concerned parents, stepping up and running for Board of Education right. positions uh, because they're really clued in now. And that was one positive byproduct, I guess, of the pandemic um, because they actually saw right. what was what was being taught to their children. Yeah, it's really shocking. I don't have kids, it's, so I can't. Um, I'm not, not, you know, don't have visibility into that. But I imagine that it's shocking to see your kids being taught these things that you just vehemently disagree with. And the thing that's really important, Davis, is that um, we who do not have children can recognize now that it's important to all of us. Of course, because they are really going after and have been really going after. Um, teaching these children not to pay attention to their families, not to not yeah, to yeah. include their families in their thoughts, and and despicable things, yeah. just just despicable things. I cannot imagine um, any sane argument in favor of that. Yeah, yeah, I can't either. There's, and I don't. I haven't heard one either. I haven't either. The, the only thing you see is well, in Tennessee there was Larry Arn. The, the president of Hillsdale, who recently made a comment about how teachers were from the dumbest parts of the dumbest schools. And it's, you know, the, the only thing that to, to, to move against the school choice movement here in the state, the only thing that people against it, Democrats, I guess, mostly have is mean comments like that. There's no, there's no basis. There's no substance. Because, there's no because substance. the public schooling system has completely failed in its mission. Yes. And, and the thing, the thing that I have to remember in, and uh, that I share with people is that when you ask a question such as that, and there's no substantive response, yeah, I mean, it yeah. happens all the time on social media. Of course. You know, um, I had a conversation with one gentleman regarding January 6th and my opinions about, you know, what, what happened there. And, um, and so we got to a point where I explained to him that I'm looking for evidence all the evidence. Of course. And until I see all the evidence, I'm not taking a position on right. whether it was a, an insurrection or not. I'm, I'm just not. I don't think it was, but I, because I would think, quite frankly, that if President Trump, as powerful a man as he, as he is, um, if he really wanted to conduct an insurrection and overthrow the government, which seems kind of crazy because it was his government at that moment, but if he wanted to do that, do you think he'd do it with 16 men carrying guns that they didn't even fire? Do you think he'd do it with, I mean, it just, it's yeah. ludicrous to me to think that you would really believe that right. he planned an insurrection and that's the way he rolled it out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Either he's extremely incompetent or... It, yes, which he's shown us that he wasn't Yeah, extremely incompetent. It, it's, it seems like the reasonable thing to do in any situation like that is to not, that like there's tribal demands that you take aside uh, on these issues uh, but it just the sensible thing to do, which I mean, people seem to be less and less inclined towards would be to not, I mean, not stake your entire political career or grift off that issue. It seems that mostly the January 6th stuff and the, the election stuff invites people who just kind of trade in tribalism. And mm -hmm. I mean, they're taking advantage of people really is what they're doing. They're and then they get angry. They get angry right. because with this gentleman, once I ex expressed that opinion, then, in, and I asked him, you know, what's your, what's your feeling about what, what I just said? And his, and his answer was, 
well, I suppose you feel like the Supreme Court decision was good too. So he just like jumped off to another subject whatsoever altogether. Yeah. And and that happens a lot. And that's unfortunate. But I think it's I still think it's conversations worth having. Yeah, yeah. I really do, because I think we need to share with one another how we think about these things in order to listen for ways that we can arrive at a common place to start sure. to solve the problem. I, I'm, I'm somewhat doubtful that some of these issues can be resolved with conversation at this point. Well, it's, yeah, it's just a starting place. Correct. It's really just it's, a starting it's, it's a place. place to start. It yeah. is at minimum you should have that and determine for yourself whether you can resolve it via conversation or not. The whole thing depends on whether or not the people sitting at the table having the conversation are interested in resolving the problem right or if they just want to argue about it and prove themselves right of course the latter situation happens more often than not but there are people such as myself who are more focused on resolution right and getting to the other side of the problem mm-hmm. well that's us that's up for our last question what do you think most undermines trust in the voting process not really a question about what you think whether the election uh, was this or that, but what do you think sows discord in, in the election process? Right. And, you know, yeah, I, I have some pretty strong opinions about this because I've been a poll worker. Okay. I had to stop being a poll worker this, this time because I'm on the ballot. Right. So I cannot work there. Um, but what I can say very wholeheartedly is, is this, the idea of transmitting valid ballots to people who are not asking for them, who may not live there anymore, who may have passed, who may have, whatever the case might be, moved on to another location. And all of those ballots floating around in the world makes it vulnerable, makes the entire system vulnerable. Because it, it it gives material for those who would want to do something to stack the deck, so to speak, it gives them something to work with. Sure. That that is difficult to track when you've set up a situation where you're going to have these ballot boxes and you're going to have uh, them dropped by you know whoever into the ballot boxes and and then you don't know where they came from right. because somebody's bringing them and putting them in there and it might be an individual but it might be an individual with several things as that movie showed that didn't prove anything to me but it did show me just how vulnerable the system could be yes we absolutely need to perfect and fine-tune uh the process within which we are voting in our county for example i i'll toot the horn of our election commission because they put a great deal of effort into security for every step of the way. So mm-hmm. when people vote, it's an, it's an electronic machine. It's not connected to the internet at all. They vote on the machine and that machine prints out a paper ballot. Then the voter reviews the paper ballot and confirms that that was their intention to vote for whatever persons are marked on that ballot. Right. So it's only after that approval that that piece of paper is put into the machine that calculates the votes. Yeah. Which is all that machine does is calculate the votes that are cast. Of course. And then the commission has those paper ballots to compare the results with the intended results of the voter. Of course. And then nothing goes anywhere without a Democrat and a Republican almost hand in hand carrying ballot boxes, carrying 
results, carrying information, carrying materials, everything goes with a pair of people who represent both parties mm -hmm. walking from point A to point B to deliver it. So it seems to me very, and they have little keys that you have to lock and unlock, and it's, it seems to me a very secure system, and I have the confidence that we have the paper ballot to confirm right. the results. Absentee and mail-in ballots just seem rife for abuse, is really what it comes down to for me. And I think that absentee ballots work well, because they are requested by a registered voter that right. we have a photo picture of and a signature. So on the on the electronic information that we use, say, my role was as a special registrar. So we have visual um, I, example of a signature mm -hmm. of that person, and then we have their picture to look at. So there's security there in knowing that is, that person is, is that person. One, is each one confirmed, each absentee, absentee ballot confirmed by a person, like physically confirmed? Yeah. Oh, yes. So, at back at yes. I, I'm speaking of at the polls. Yeah. But you're yeah, speaking yeah. of back at the at the election commission. Yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 I'm not super familiar with the process. Yeah, that's there. a process. Yeah. That's okay. a yes. That's a long process there. Okay. Well, that's that's all we got. Okay. Um, I do got, have one more thing about that about the election it. as as a as a congresswoman. Um, I have drafted a bill. I've done that with regard to the border security as well. But I've drafted a bill. That would, um, although I'm very much opposed to federalizing elections, right. I think we follow the Constitution, and I think the state legislature deems the time, place, and manner of elections to be held. Mm -hmm. But uh, I do think that the federal government could add some support to that part of the Constitution by saying this, by saying that any entity, whether it be a state Supreme Court or an, an election commission, or anything other than the state legislature, makes a rule or usurps the legislature's authority to do that in any way, is subject to um, a federal offense. Mm -hmm. And that becomes a federal offense to do that. Because right now, what did we do when that happened uh, in Pennsylvania? Right. What did we do about it? There was nothing we could do about it. Right. So that might give us something to actually follow up on. The Department of Education could, sorry, the Department of Justice would pursue that mm -hmm. and it would be a federal offense and it would be punishable. Hmm. So it's, it's kind of been its first drafts, but it was basically prompted by um, a constituent saying, okay, well, all that happened in Pennsylvania. What are we going to do about that? Right. How can right. we keep that from happening everywhere? Of course. Because the state Supreme Court upheld their ability to make those changes outside of the state legislature. Yep. So that's that's what I've done there. That's what I think we can do to improve Very the security. Idea. Um, I think we need more more ideas like that. I mean, there's certainly. Some I got a balance. bunch of them. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. I really think we need. We didn't talk about gun control and all of that, and our ma the mass murders that we have happening with much more regularity yeah. and all of that. Um, honestly, I think we need an independent, um, nonpartisan commission mm -hmm. that involves that involves every element that in interplays in a circumstance like that. I think we need to have the NRA participate. I think we need to have school security and administration participate. Mm -hmm. We absolutely need to have um, mental health, uh, mental caregivers to participate in that conversation, as well as gun owners and as well as law enforcement. All of them need to participate 
and provide input into what would be a resolution mm-hmm. to the situation. Sure. Because just writing another gun law is not going to do it. No. We have tons of laws that are not even enforced. Right. So just writing another gun law is not enough. It needs to be addressed in a serious manner. My, my approach to these the shootings is that I... I There's this weird attempt to lump the shooters into like, oh, was he a Republican or a Democrat? Like that's the first. Who did he support? Yeah, which it's it's a political issue beyond that though. Like these these incidents are a a refutation of the entire political system. Basically, Mm -hmm. it's it's in any other context, any other country, we would view these things as basically terrorist attacks. Yeah, they may not be associated with like a, a group, but they're clearly like these lashings out at the political at the culture that mm-hmm. is created by politics that's right and created by uh by policies that maybe have were initiated years and years ago right. and now we have the end result the yeah. the mental health situation also contributes to our homelessness problem yeah it yeah. also contributes to this this violent anger that is that has to be expressed somewhere. Right. It needs to be dealt with, and it needs to be dealt with on a lot of different levels. Of course, not just one. No, you're right. It's a big issue. Okay. Well, you've Huge. got you've got a campaign website. I do. Bachelorinthehouse.com. Bachelorinthehouse.com. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like that. And my email address is genie at bachelor for the house. Genie G E N I. We were discussing yeah. earlier how she, her genie's name is Eugenia. I have. Eugenia is a family name uh, of mine as well. Anyway, yeah. Uh, well, thanks for coming by. Thank you. Uh, I'll make sure to put your website in in the yes. notes. Yes, and, and I would like to just say to in, to anyone listening, um, one of the ways that I want to represent you all is to maintain a line of communication that stays open through the candidacy and also through my tenure if I am fortunate enough to earn their votes. Sure. And uh, so on my website, I have a little button that's called "Talk to Me." And pressing that button gets you access to the little form where you can give me whatever questions you have or whatever opinions you have. I have that. And then I'm also sponsoring uh, town halls in every county. I've done, I did one in Lewis County. I've got one coming up. I've got two coming up next week, actually, in uh, Marshall County and Murray County uh, the following week. Next week is, um, no, tomorrow. This is Wednesday. Tomorrow is... <laughs> I'm, in, I'm tripped up to I know. Yeah. Tomorrow is Wilson County. Okay. So tomorrow I'll be doing a pod, uh, excuse me, a uh, town hall in person in Wilson County. And I hope everybody will come by and get to know me because that's my biggest issue as a citizen candidate to get people to know my name. Well, when's... when's so this will probably go out tomorrow afternoon. Okay. So, it's tomorrow evening, 6 which, to 8 p.m. T- tomorrow, which is July 7th. Is there another right. one after that in case people miss? Uh, well, there there may be. It really depends on how much people want it. Right. If they want it, I will make it happen because that is my way of getting to the people. I am not doing a lot of advertising. I did not spend my time raising a lot of money. I spent my time talking to people. Right. So you, you'll, you'll, through your website would be a good way to find out about future. Definitely. Days. Through my website and on my Facebook page. You can follow me on Facebook and that way uh, you'll get notification of anything that's going on. Because if I may not do another one in Wilson County, I may do one in Davidson County that you can get to. Mm-hmm. Um, that might be more convenient for you. And I, I post that every time I'm going to do um, a town hall. I post a little flyer that Great. tells you where it's going to be and when. Okay. Well, okay. that's that's Ginny Bachelor, everyone. Thank Ginny you for Bachelor. allowing me to mention that. Of course. All right. Thanks for listening. Okay.